Hope you're ready to hear from the Word of God this morning. Uh, as Brother Danny prayed, uh, missionary Tom Gondeman is with us uh, this morning. And he's, if you don't know, he's from Sydney. Uh, he's based out of Sydney at the moment. He's been in Australia for a number of years. Uh, I think he said he came over in 2003 and has uh, been ministering over here. He's pastored for 10 years uh, down in Sydney. He's now based out of Faith Baptist Church uh, with uh, uh, Pastor Youssef that was here not long ago and doing a lot of evangelism uh, mainly. So, uh, missionary, I ask you to come up and uh, we'll hear from you this morning. Thank you for being with us. Uh, he'll be with us tonight as well for our service and also next Sunday for our services. Uh, so let's grab our Bibles and uh, we'll hear from the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks. Thank you. All right, good morning. Good to see you all here today. Happy Mother's Day. It, uh, it was five years ago that God took my, my own mother to heaven. And, you know, you, when things like that happen, you tend to think back at uh, opportunities missed. And so for those of you that have your mums today, um, take advantage of that day. It's a good day. And, of course, I wouldn't want my mum back. This world is a mess, and she's in a pretty good place. So um, thank the Lord for that. Well, it's good to see you uh, in church this morning, and uh, thank the Lord we have an opportunity to open the Bible. Uh, take your Bible with me to 2 Peter, if you would. Uh, I was just thinking about, as we, uh, as we watch the gifts being hung, uh, handed out to the moms, that one of the most endearing memories that I had of my mother was uh, we had an old black leather chair in our house, and she would be sitting up reading her Bible in the morning when I get up to go to school, sitting in that chair. And uh, that's a pretty good memory to have of your mom. And uh, my mom was sick a lot. She had lupus and ended up dying from that at about the age of 60 or 62, I think. But uh, so, though she was sick a lot during her life, she loved the Lord and uh, left a good example for us kids. So it's, uh, it's a good thing that as parents we think about the things we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Our kids notice that, and uh, it'll impact their life. So it's just a call to all of us, not just the moms, but if you're a parent, to uh, love, your, love your family, love the Lord. They're going to see that, and it's going to affect their life. All right, well, 2 Peter chapter number 1 is where we're at here today, and it seems like the Lord has really been directing my heart back to, uh, to Peter uh, in this last year or so. Just so much of my Bible reading keeps bringing me back here, and I've just found, I don't know if you've found this in your life, but sometimes you'll go through seasons where there's passages in the Bible that just seem to be richer to you than they were in previous times. Uh, sometimes the Lord will do that, and if you've been saved a while, you know you've read through the Bible, and and uh, you could probably say a lot of the trivia about the Bible. You know, such and such was a king here, and so and so was born to this particular person in this particular place. And a lot of times we're good at the trivia of the Bible. But if we're not careful, we'll miss the richness of the scriptures that we're reading. And uh, the Lord has just been bringing my heart back to this. And so I just wanted to share with you some thoughts from this that might be an encouragement and a help uh, as we think through these things today. So we read this, but I want to read it again for us this morning. So if you've got your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now that was one sentence, and that was really the introduction to this. And Peter is writing, and 
For those of you that have been saved and you've kind of gone through your Bibles a little bit, well, you'll know Peter. Peter was the, the brash fisherman, wasn't he? Peter was the man who uh, was full of passion and uh, full of zeal and full of fire. Peter was the one who uh, God says some things about uh, his own failures and gives us some, sort of an insight into the heart of this man who God would use greatly in years to come. And, and so as we get to this particular point in Peter's life, he's just about to the end of it. As a matter of fact, in this book, he says, I know that there's going to come a day very soon where I'm going to put off this earthly tabernacle. And uh, he, he's going to go home to be with the Lord. And he, he knew of that time. He, he said in this very chapter here that he was going to endeavor that through his teaching and through these letters that, that the people that he's writing to here would, would remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He just wanted to make that the, the final thing that he said, the, the, the passion of his heart was that it would draw people back to what Jesus said because it was meant to govern their life. And brethren, this morning we've got to understand that the word of God was given to us to govern our life. It's not just a religious book. It's not just something that we carry under our arm because we're Christians and we go to church. It's, it's not an icon or, or a relic. Uh, it is something that we're meant to grow by. It is the eternal word of God. And it's something that's meant to nurture our life. And though I don't know your life, and I know some of you, but I don't really know your life and the hurts and the things that you're dealing with, I know this, that you need to be nurtured. You need the Lord. There's not a one of us that could raise our hand and say, well, I'm a self-made man or woman. I have need of nothing. I'm emotionally stable. I'm mentally stable. I'm physically stable. I'm financially stable. There's none of us that can raise our hand and say, I don't need anything. I've got everything I need in life. No, the reality is we're hurt and broken, broken people. Job said it this way as he, as he looked at humanity. He said that man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. And isn't that just our life? Uh, it may not be that you have sin in your life, and yet you may have struggles and trials. It may be that as best you can, you're serving the Lord Jesus, and, and you're, you're loving the Lord, and you're just trying to do what's right. And, and it may just be that that's the character of your life, and, and yet you've had a reversal, and, and yet you've had a hurt, and, and yet you've had some uncertainty. And what you need is you need the nurture of the Word of God, and that's why we're here. We're here to open the Scriptures. And so Peter talks this way. And he introduces himself here as a servant. He says, I just want to help you to understand that it's not just that I'm an apostle. He said, I'm a, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And I'm speaking to you that have obtained the like precious faith. That word like means the same. It's the same precious faith, Peter said, that I have obtained. Hey, listen, if you're here this morning and there's been a time in your life where you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then isn't it precious? Uh, isn't it a precious thing to you? I, I hope you understand how precious that is. Uh, you have been taken from, from darkness to light, uh, from the power of Satan uh, to the power of God. You understand? You have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, brethren, that is a precious thing. And Peter is just trying to help people to understand there is something precious about who you, who you claim to be and whose you are. It's precious. When we get older in life, we tend to realize things that are most important, don't we? My grandfather died a number of years ago, but when he died, he was 102. And about a year before his death, I had the privilege of just being back with him. And I hadn't seen him in many years, but we sat together and I, I asked him to just tell me some things about his life. I said, what advice would you give to me? I might have been 40 or something at the time. I said, what advice would you give to me at my age? And, and so he just sat and thought a minute and he just began to give me these things. 
And I won't share what, with you what he said to me, but you know, they, they were things that were near to the heart of a man that was near to heaven. And he was just saying, there are some things that are, that are important. And you know what he never said to me? He never said anything to me about money, although he had it. He, he never said anything to me about status and recognition, although he had some of that. He just talked about the Lord. This faith that we have, if you're saved this morning, it's a precious thing. And Peter writes and he says, I'm writing to you that, that have obtained this same precious faith with us. But you notice it comes through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I say to you this morning, although I don't know you, maybe there's somebody here today and you have not obtained that precious faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, you know that church doesn't guarantee that you're going to go to heaven. Uh, living a good life doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven. Being raised in a good family having good moral character, working hard and being honest and diligent in your job. These are all good virtues from a human perspective, but my friend, they don't gain you an entrance to heaven. Heaven comes through the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a precious thing. And if you're here today without Christ, could I invite you to know the Savior? To know the one who died and gave his life and rose from the dead, that he would purchase eternal redemption for you. If you're not saved this morning, there's no better day for you than this day that you would hear the gospel and be born again. We'll talk about it later uh, in the message, but I want to draw your attention because I speak to you now, most of you as believers in the Lord, I want to encourage your heart uh, through the word of God. I want you to notice what Peter says because this is often what Paul said when Paul wrote his letters. And he said in verse number two, he said, grace and peace uh, be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I want to talk to you about, uh, as, as Peter now is helping us to understand some things about, about how God is and how God thinks and what God has done specifically in us. And he talks about his pardon here. Uh, the pardon that we have received through the shed blood and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says to him, he says, he says to these believers, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. If you were to read through Paul's writings, Paul would often say that, grace and peace, grace and peace. You know, when you know God, I mean, you truly know God as your Savior, it brings with it an abundance of grace and peace. And I don't want you to too quickly overlook that. We understand that from a, an earthly perspective, this is, this is Peter writing to us, but this is really the Holy Spirit of God. This is God saying to us, I, I want you to understand my heart toward you. You have received this precious faith that I have offered you. And that, that faith has come through the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now here's what God is saying to us that have received that. He just wants to you to understand his goodwill toward you in your life. A grace and peace, he says. Uh, don't, don't too quickly pass over that. Sometimes we, we very quickly read over that in the epistles. Grace. You know what grace is? In effect, grace is just God at work in your life. That's what it is. I know that there's acrostics, you know, God's riches at Christ's expense, grace. And there, there's other things that we can say, and they're probably all right, but I just would boil it down to that thought that grace really essentially is God, the, the sovereign, eternal, omnipotent, holy, and perfect God who chooses to be at work in the life of us who are frail and who are weak. And remember what God said about us as people that he knows that we're dust, and yet he chooses to be at work in our life. Uh, can you picture David who perhaps was uh, standing outside late one night and looking at the stars and he just looks up at that and he says, you know, when I consider the heavens, the work of your hands, 
He said, God, what, what is man that thou art mindful of him? God, God, why would you care to even invest in my life? Uh, what is there about me that would recommend me to you? God, there's nothing. I possess nothing that is of interest to you. And yet what you do is you choose to be at work in my life. Brethren, that's grace, the grace of God. Grace lets you sing when your heart hurts. Grace lets you speak right when you're treated wrong. Have you ever been treated wrong? Grace just allows the, the life of Christ to shine brightly in a life when everything else seems dark. That's grace. I called my dad about a week ago, and uh, it, was, uh, it was my mom's birthday. And I said, Dad, how you doing? And he told me, he said, I'm doing great. Oh, I know it was the, the hard first two or three years after she passed away. They were just on the verge of their 50th anniversary, maybe a, maybe a month or something short of their 50th when she died. And five years on, I said, Dad, how you doing? And he said, I'm just doing great. You know what that is? That's grace. That's God being at work in our life. We're, we're told to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. We're told in the Bible to, to let our heart be established with grace. And we're told that we're to be good stewards of the grace of God. And God is saying to us this morning, is, grace be to you. I just want you to understand, I am at work in your life. And then he said, peace. Uh, we live in a world of turmoil. If you don't know that, just turn the news on. Now, flick through your Twitter feed. The world is full of turmoil. What do we need? We need peace, the peace of God peace. This isn't just something because God was looking for an introduction. This is God saying, this is, this is my thought and wish and desire that I would, I would have this in your life. I want this to be multiplied in your life. It's here and it's available from me to you in your life. Peace, he said. Peace comes from the Prince of Peace. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? You see, God said that salvation is the way of peace. If you're here today and you got saved later in life, you know just how true that is. When God saved you out of a life of sin and wickedness and, and, uh, and self, aren't you glad that you found peace? Some of us that were raised in Christian homes and saved when we were very young, we don't have that testimony. There's not that comparison of life. But I would guarantee there'd be somebody here today, you know what that peace is like because you know the turmoil and heartache of a life that was lived in sin. God said salvation is peace. Peace comes when we're spiritually minded. Peace is the evidence of a spirit-filled life, isn't it? God told us uh, to live in peace, he said. He said, peace guards our heart. And God is saying now, listen, I just, I want you to have my grace and my peace. And he said, I want it to be multiplied in your life. Now, church, everything that we've read so far, these four verses, as, as Peter just introduces, is, it's all one thought. It's one sentence. It's one unit of thought. God is leading us to something here that he wants us to understand. It, it, listen, it's a present truth that is meant to uh, guide the way that you're living your life. God is saying, I want you to think this way. There's some things I want you to understand about who I am and, and my, action, my actions and, and working in your life. He says, my pardon has done something to you. Not only has it redeemed peace in your life. And my question, brethren, is this to you this morning. Are you living in the grace of God? Do you know what that is? And is your life as a believer characterized by peace? Peace. Grace and peace, he said. But I want you to notice what he said in verse number three. So again, in verse number two, he said, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Consider with me his power. 
now that his power is at work in us, he says this, we, we have everything we need. All things have been given unto us that pertain unto life and godliness. In other words, now, uh, everything that we have to live this life. Hey, listen, everything that, that we need to have to live a godly life here, we already have. There's nothing that you lack as a child of God. There's nothing that you lack to live a life that brings honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Everything we have is what we need. So what are those things? Well, I find two things in Scripture that, that the Lord Jesus Christ told us about that we need. And here's what they are. And they're very simple, and you already know these. But we, we've been, first of all, given His Spirit, haven't we? We've been given His Spirit. I, I love what Jesus was saying to His disciples in John 14. He said, but, but the Comforter who is the Holy Ghost, John 14, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have spoken unto you. Hey, listen, he's called the comforter for a reason. He could have said anything else about him, but in that point, he said, listen, I'm telling you, he is a comforter because, brethren, there are times in life, many, many seasons in our life where we need the comfort of God. What we like is we like to live up here and occasionally have to visit down here. But the reality of the Christian life is that we oftentimes live our life here and the mountaintops just happen only once in a while. If you were to look back at a hurt and a heartache and a, and a season of trial and adversity in your life, you know what you've learned through that? If you, if you sit back and evaluate it, you realize just how much you learned about God during those seasons. But when all the bills are paid and your health is absolutely perfect and all your family is getting along and everything at church is going great and, and your business is thriving, when you have all of those things and your car runs great and everything's paid off, when we live a life like that, the reality is we oftentimes just forget about the Lord. We just become casual Christians because everything's going great. And it's not that God willingly afflicts the children of men. He doesn't. He doesn't bring adversity into our life because he doesn't love us. He brings these things into our life because we need to be kept close to him. And so he wants to show us his power by his indwelling spirit. And he's the comforter. And the, the words of our Savior, listen, they pertain to our lives. These comforting things that Jesus Christ said. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know what that is? That's a comfort. That's God's power at work in my life. His Holy Spirit that is living and working in me. And he says, Tom, I want you to understand, no matter what you're going through in your life, I will not ever leave you. I will not ever forsake you during that season of your life. How about all things work together for good to them that love God? Now, I know you just can't cherry pick things out of the Bible and say, well, I choose this, that this would belong to me. I know there's a context. But that's what God said. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. They really do. That's meant to bring comfort into your life. How about cast thy burdens upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee? He said, I'll never suffer the righteous to be moved. Isn't that a comfort? Isn't it a comfort to know that the Lord Jesus Christ said, you just give me your burdens and I'll give you my peace. I was talking with a young lady this week struggling with the journey of her young adult life, trying to figure out who she is and where she's supposed to be and what her life is supposed to be like. And there are some things that she doesn't know. And, you know, that's just a very difficult stage of life where you're just trying to figure out what life is supposed to be. 
And as she sat and went through some of the things that, that were ahead of her and some of the uncertainties, she was facing those uncertainties with a fair bit of fear. And there was some tears in her eyes and she was going through this, this mental anguish of, of the uncertainties and the unknown. And I just sat with her and opened the scriptures and said, well, this is what the Bible says. This is what God said. This is what God said. And, and she knows the verses, but I said to her, it's, there's a difference between knowing and acting upon what you know. The, the peace of God is there. The power of God is, is within you through his Holy Spirit. He is the comforter. The thing is, it's not just knowing intellectually the facts. It's the embrace of the truth. We have within us, dear brethren, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, if you're saved. That's the power of God. And he says that in this verse, he says, uh, his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Hey, when I don't know what to do in my life, I just pray and say, Lord, you're going to have to give me some direction here. I'm without an answer. I, I don't even know how to step. I'm standing here and I feel like I need to go in a direction. God, I don't even know what direction to go. I don't know how to make a decision in my life. Have you ever been there? There's probably some of you there right now. What do you do in seasons like that? Well, you turn to the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells you. I can't do it. I don't know what to do. But I know you do. So I'm just going to yield myself to you again. What a great God we serve. You know, the other thing that pertains to life and godliness is this book you hold on your lap today. I know we live in a different generation. Your book might be on a phone today, but I hope you have the Bible with you in church, all right? Um, I used to always tell my church, if you have the book, bring the book. It's, it's, not, it's just my opinion. That's me. But the problem with me is that I, I have a phone like everybody else does, and I do so many other things on my phone that if I bring my phone to church and turn it on, my brain just switches over to other things. It distracts me. But it doesn't matter what you have as long as you have a copy of the Word of God this morning, okay? The Word of God is of such great value. Do you recall when the Lord Jesus was being tempted? And, and Satan was tempting him, and Jesus said unto him, it is written that Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The promises of the word of God, it was David who said this, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Uh, David said, thy, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He said, I, I hope in thy word. In other words, the hope that anchors me in my life is found in the truth of your word, O God. That's what he's saying. I hope in thy word. It's not like I hope his word is true. It's this is my anchor, my resting place. As we sang this morning, my faith has found a resting place. Well, for you and I today, it's the word of God. David said it this way in Psalm 119, thy word is very pure. Have you found that to be true? Do you stand in awe of the word of God? Sometimes as we get older in the faith and we get more mature in our spiritual walk, we can, we, our eyes can kind of glaze over. We've read the passage a thousand times. Maybe for some of us, we need to take a step back and say, now, Lord, I need you to help me to stand in awe of your word again. I don't know it all, and I've become so familiar with the phrasing that, that maybe I've missed the point. I stand in awe of thy word. Hey, listen, with all of that, how can we not live in victory? The Holy Spirit is saying here, he says, my grace and peace is multiplied to you. Now, how is that happening? Well, because you have a perfect knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been born again. And because of that, now you can, you can experience me at work in your life. And I can give you peace. 
And then he says, my divine power has given you everything you need to live a godly life. It's not just living a life in an abundant life, but it's, it's living a godly life. Isn't that what he expects of us? You understand holiness is not an optional extra. It's not like going down to the dealership and saying, well, I want a car with, you know, red paint and air conditioning and electric windows. Now, holiness is not an optional extra in the Christian life. It is demanded of us. Be holy, uh, for I am holy. God is saying, my power has given you everything you need to live a godly life. And here we really begin to see then his purpose. Can you see with me in, in the end of verse number three? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. You know, the purpose of God is this. God has called us to something higher. Hey, listen this morning. God has called all of us, if we're saved, to something higher. And the higher things he said here are glory and virtue. Now, the word glory, we, we would say it this way. Well, we want to glorify the name of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, well we, he's praiseworthy, isn't he? He's worthy of honor. Isn't that right? We say, God, that's who you are. That's, that's your nature and that's your character. And so we want to glorify your name. And God is saying, listen, I'm asking you in your life to live a life. I've called you to this. I've called you to glory. Now, that's not so that men would praise us. What he's saying is, I want your life to be praiseworthy. I want your life to be honorable. I've given you everything you need to live a life that, that's godly and right. And so what I've called you to is glory an honorable life. And then he said virtue. And really what virtue is, is it's moral excellence. Now, none of these things can be done in the, in the energy of our flesh. Would you agree with that? We just can't do it by ourselves. It's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But yet God is saying, I've called you to something higher. He says it's glory and it's virtue. Hey, listen, how are we doing with this? How are we doing as believers this morning living a life that is, that is praiseworthy, not for our glory, not for our benefit, not for our recognition, but because of Christ at work in my life. Are we living our life that is a life worthy of praise to the Lord Jesus Christ? Can people see Christ in us, the hope of glory? Can they see that? Is there moral excellence in our life? You see what it is? It's a life that imitates Christ. We are to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Remember where, the, where Paul is talking here about the church. He said he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So we understand the, 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 the role of the, the pastor there or those that are working in, in the church. But he said, here's the reason. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Here's the purpose till we all come in the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God. And then he said, unto a perfect man. That means complete, complete. Uh, we can look at our life this way and say, well, I, uh, even at this stage in my Christian life, I am incomplete. Would you agree with that about your life? Okay, we haven't all arrived yet. Uh, you know when you're gonna arrive? It's when either you see Jesus face to face at the rapture, or your eyes close in death and you're present with the Lord. You've arrived at that point. But like prior to that, we're still on the, on the journey of growth. Would you agree? And so he says, unto a perfect man, meaning leading up to that, we're, we're striving to be better, to be more like Christ, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I don't know if it was like this in your family, but growing up, uh, we used to have a wall where we'd make a little mark as the kids grew. 
you know, and every once in a while you look at that mark and say, it's been three years, he hasn't grown anything. But, you know, you'd like to see the upward trend as a parent, wouldn't you? And eventually now that my kids are all 6'4", so they're bigger than me now, the, the mark is up here. But that's, that's the way we are in our life. We're standing up against the wall and we're saying, well, you know, I'm growing. I'm measuring myself up against the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and I'm not what I used to be. I'm, I'm, I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm right here and I'm maturing. And, and the trend of the Christian life, I understand it's going to be this. I understand we have our highs and our lows, but brethren, the trend of the Christian life is growth and maturity. We grow because we were designed to grow unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And that's why church is so important. This is God saying, here is my purpose in you. I've called you to a life of, of glory and a life of virtue. And the church is just a part of that journey. I'm so glad that you're faithful and that you're invested and, and that you're involved and that you're serving and that you're loving one another. It's all a part of your spiritual journey. Stay at it. Stay faithful. Stay on your knees. Stay passionate with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the problem is too many people are settling for a lesser life. God said, I've called you to glory and virtue, but so many Christians have substituted their purposes for God's purposes. That's a lesser life. Hey, listen, it's a lesser life to have your life instead of God's. God's ways are best. God's ways are better than anything we could choose for ourselves. How many times do we have to read through the Bible and, and see the, the lives of men and women who chose their own way? There's whole books of the Bible that are written about it. The book of Judges. Every man that did that which was right in his own eyes. What is the book of Judges? It's confusion. Have you read it? You read through that and you scratch your head and say, why did they do that? Well, it's because they chose their way over God's way. And brethren, it's not just something that happened 2,500 years ago. It's something that happens every day with Christians around this world. We have got to understand that, that there is something that God said about us. He said, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which does so easily beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. In other words, listen, it's looking unto Jesus. It's his way for our life. It's not mine. Don't settle for the lesser life. His purpose is that he's, he's called us to glory and virtue. He's saying, I, I have called you to an honorable life. And your outward man is just a reflection of who you are on the inside. It was wisely said one time that sooner or later, the real you is going to stand up. Sooner or later, what you do is just a reflection of what you are on the inside. We can hide it for a while. And some, some people can go years masking the reality of the inner man. But listen to me, eventually it's going to come out. And I'm telling you, when it comes out, it's a lesser life. It's going to be filled with hurt and shame and sorrow. Now, brethren, it doesn't have to be that way. Because God said, I've given you everything you need that pertains to this life. You don't need to have a, an, an outside help. You don't need to make wrong. you know, your, your go-to place. There's no how-to manual that you can buy off of a shelf. Brethren, you have the Spirit of God and you have the Word of God. You have everything you need. Because God says it's through my power at work in your life that allows you to live a life that is an honorable life to my glory. A life of moral excellence to my praise. That's what he's saying. That's my purpose in your life. You see, his pardon brought about his indwelling power. And because of that power at work in your life, we begin to see the purpose of God. Oh, there's something that God expects of my life. Aren't you glad, by the way, if you got saved, aren't you glad that God didn't just save you and then take his hand off you? 
Say, well, you know, we'll see you when you get to heaven. Aren't you glad that God is at work in your life? Can you not look back at the journey that's led you to this point and say, I could see God's hand here and here and here. And brethren, I know that in the middle of it, sometimes you can't see God. Have you been through that? You're in the middle of something and you're scratching your head and you're saying, God, where are you in this? Oh, he's right where he always was. I remember some of you had been praying for my wife years ago when she was diagnosed with cancer and we went through a bit of a cancer journey for a couple of years and uh, during the first year or so that was just a bit of a rough time and I know many of you are very well aware in your own lives in the church here how that goes but I remember in the evenings I would I would put everybody to bed in the family and I would go just sit by myself downstairs and I'd have my Bible and it was always the same place in our lounge room and I'd sit there and stare at the wall. There's times I'd read the Bible, and then there's times I'd just stare. I wasn't mad or angry. I wasn't bitter at God. I, I wasn't even questioning God about why did you allow this. It was just, I was just thinking. Now, here's the reason I bring that up. I, I, I couldn't see what God was doing in the moment. But as I look back and I see what had happened, I realized what God was doing was chipping away at the, at the hardness of my heart. And he used the hurt to reveal things about my life I couldn't see. You see, God was at work in a dark hour for me, but I couldn't see it in the moment. You understand what I'm saying? And so often that's the way it is in life for us. But God, God has a purpose. God has a purpose in your life. And so he's saying here, he's called us to glory and virtue. Look at verse number four. He says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Can you see his promises now? Exceeding great and precious promises, and that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Now, now Paul talked about the promises of God, but here's what Paul said about them. Listen now. He said, For all the promises of God in him, speaking of Jesus, so all the promises of God in him, in Christ, are yea, that means yes, and in him, amen. That means uh, it's done, so be it, it's, it's settled. That's how Paul described these promises that God gave. You understand the good promises of God for his children are found in Jesus Christ. Do you understand? I believe that's why Jesus said this. He said, learn of me. Learn of me. Jesus said, search the scriptures. I understand he was saying that to a lost person. But brethren, can I say that's us? Search the scriptures. He said, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Brethren, as we read through the Bible... We begin to understand his promises and we see Christ there. We see our blessed and wonderful Savior in the truths of Scripture. It's not just something that we got to get up and do and, and tick off the list of Christianity and say, well, I got up and I did my devotions this morning. That, that's a good way to kill your spiritual life and passion. Get up in the morning and seek after Jesus Christ in the pages of Scripture. Peter said these promises are great and precious. Let me give you a couple. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. He said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, you remember what it says? I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Do you understand that's a promise of God? It's a promise of God that he, he's not just abandoned us here. I, I've gone away. He said it was expedient. It was, it was best for you that I go away. And they couldn't understand why. But remember, we read the, the passage earlier. If, if I don't go away, I can't give you the comforter. 
You don't need to just know that Jesus is in Jerusalem somewhere and you have no access. He says, I need to go away and I'll send you the comforter and he will be in you. But now their hearts were filled with sorrow and he's, he's going away and what are we going to do? And, and so Jesus said, listen, let, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I do that, he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. I like that. And receive you unto myself. I'm ashamed to tell you that in, there's been times in my life, probably many, many times, where I've gone long seasons in my spiritual life and not really thought too much about Jesus coming back. I'm ashamed to tell you that that's, that's happened with me. Uh, sometimes we just get busy here and there. Sometimes it's the, the cares of the world. It's stony ground and it chokes the word of God and it becomes unfruitful. There's just things that enter into my heart and distract me and pull me away from the realization of this great promise that Jesus Christ is coming back. And I understand there's going to be in these last times mockers that are saying, well, where's the promise of his coming? And I understand there's going to be people that, that reject the, the clear teaching of the word of God about the return of Christ. But it doesn't matter what the scorners say, does it? It matters what the Bible says. He said he's coming back. That's a great promise. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul says this to the believers. Hear me this morning. He says, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, listen, which delivered us from the wrath to come. To me, one of the great promises of scripture to me as a child of God is that I have been delivered from the wrath of God. I've been delivered. I'm eternally secure. Do you understand? I'm not gonna have to go through God's wrath upon this earth. All the vials and trumpets and seals and judgments that we see laid out for us in the book of Revelation and, and all that's described there in the book of Daniel about some things that happened during that period of time, I'm not going to be here. Thank God for that. I've been delivered from it. I've been delivered from the wrath to come. Listen, that's a blessed promise to me. And you probably well know just how much that particular doctrine in Scripture is being attacked in our generation. Here's a promise. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. And James says, and it shall be given him, but let him ask in faith. Now listen, one of the great promises of scripture is, I don't know what to do, but God, you know what to do, so I'm just going to ask you. And God didn't say, well, I'm going to rebuke you because you're not smart enough to figure it out. He said, he upbraideth not. That, we don't use that word today, but the word upbraid means to admonish or to, or to, to chastise because of it. But God is not unkind to me. He understands I have a deficiency. He understands I can't see what's going to happen five minutes from now. So he said, here's what I, I've done. I've Tom, listen, I've created you to be dependent on me. I have created you to have a weakness and deficiency in your life that can only be filled by a proximity to Jesus Christ. You understand? He said, just come to me and I'll give you the wisdom. Well, that's a great promise because I can tell you there's a lot of times in my life I've lacked wisdom. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead my family. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know how to deal with the hurt. I don't know how to deal with the rejection. I, you understand? There's just so many things in life. We say, God, I don't know what to do. And this exceeding great and, promise, uh, great and precious promise is, well, just ask me. And Jesus said here, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Hey, did you hear that part? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's a promise. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. 
We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Brethren, it's not our power. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with our Lord Jesus Christ. But the promise of Scripture there is, I've overcome. So listen, whatever the hurt is in your life, well, Jesus Christ has overcome it all. Uh, no matter what you see, the course of this world and the, the fashion of this world and how, how horrible and wicked and perverse and disgusting and, and anti-God the world is, doesn't matter how bad it's going to get. Listen, Paul said that it's going to wax worse and worse. And as we see the world doing what it does, it shouldn't surprise any of us that are saved. But we should just understand, Jesus said it very clearly, I'm overcoming. I have overcome the world. Now listen, that's just a, a very small little scratch of all the promises of Scripture. But here's what he said in the verse, and as we close out here today, he says this, verse number four. So he says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Uh, It's not just that they're great promises, they're exceeding great. There's an abundance, there's an an overflow of this. And and that by these, these what? These promises, that ye, that's that's a, a plural, that's all of you. You might be partakers of the divine nature. You might be partakers. Now listen, remember, He's already speaking to believers here, isn't he? Do you remember he, he said in the very, very first or second verse, he said that, that you have obtained like precious faith? So he's talking to saved people. So what he's saying here is, he says when he says you might be partakers here, he's saying that when we believe and we act upon these promises here, we, we share in the blessing and benefits of his divine nature. It's not that we have to get his nature. Listen, if you're saved, you already have his nature. It's already in you. You've been given new life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You understand? There's something new that was wrought in you when you were born again. And here's what Peter's saying. And and here's really the takeaway that I think God is trying to get through this whole passage. He says, They're given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world that's in lust. It's not enough to just know the promises of God. They have to be believed and acted upon. Listen, dear brethren, you have to know what God said. There's no way around that. And it's not going to come just because you put a Bible next to your pillow and hope it leaks into your ear when you're sleeping. It's going to have to be a very deliberate part on your part where you spend time studying the Word of God, getting into the truth of the Scriptures. Brother Danny taught a lesson in Sunday school this morning on forbearance. And you could tell through the, through the teaching that he had been in the Word of God. He'd been studying the Word of God. He'd been trying to soak in what God had to say about that particular thing. Brethren, that's the way all of us need to be into the Word of God and and absorbing the truth of the Word of God, these exceeding great and precious promises. And then we very deliberately have to act upon them. We say, God, I choose to believe what you said, and I'm going to live my life according to it. Now listen, that's called faith. One of the great problems that all of us face as believers is something that James talked about. Uh, If any man be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he deceives his own self. You're like the guy who gets up in the morning, has a look in the mirror, doesn't realize his hair is not combed. Doesn't matter to me, but, you know, some people, it affects. And you walk away and you forget, right, straight away. Just, you forget what manner of man you are. You don't realize that the hair is not combed and, you know, you got whatever and you just go out and launch into life. God says that's you when you, when you hear something or you read something and you just walk away and you don't do it. How many times have we all, as all as believers, been guilty of even coming to this place 
And for year and after year after year, hearing the preaching and teaching of the word of God, and we've walked out the door and forgot what we heard. And we didn't act upon what we heard. And our life remained unchanged and our, our troubles continued and we're still back in pastor's office about the same issue of our life. And it's the kind of thing where we think, you know what? This has been preached and taught a hundred times in the last three or four years. And if you just listened to the word of God and done something about it, life would be changed for you. We're all guilty of that at times, brethren. These exceeding great and promi precious promises that allow us to be partakers of the nature of God that, that wants to work inside of us. It's only as effective as our obedience to do it, what it is we hear. So, in conclusion then today, it's not a rebuke in any way, but more a challenge to all of us. Uh, what is God seeking to do in your life as a believer this morning? What has God been talking to your heart about? Maybe there's an issue of your life. Maybe there's a sin that you've been dealing with. Maybe there's just a struggle or a temptation. Maybe, maybe it's an attitude or a relational issue. Maybe it's just you're filled with pride and that pride is coming out in your marriage and in your family and it's affecting the church. What is there in your life that the Holy Spirit of God has just been saying, you know, I've been knocking on your door for a while and I've told you what I think about that thing in your life. And I've given you everything you need in your life, everything that pertains to the issues of your life, that allows you to live a godly life. And hey, listen, Christian, I've called you to live a life that's honorable, a life of moral excellence, and I've empowered you to, to live just that way in your life. And these are exceeding great and precious promises. But the reason that you feel handicapped in your life is not because there's a deficiency on God's part. But there's just a lack of faith and obedience on yours. Maybe the Lord is speaking to your heart about that today. You know the best thing that any of us could do before we ever sit down in a, in a bench at church before we ever sit to open the word of God and spend time with the Lord, we should just say to the Holy Spirit, the answer is yes. That's, that's our attitude. Lord, I don't know what you're going to tell me today, but the answer is going to be yes. I'm not going to sit here in resistance to your leadership in my life. I will submit myself to the authority of your word in my life. The answer is already yes. How different would church be? How different would our family be? How different would just our outlook in life be if we said to the Holy Spirit of God every single day, the answer is yes. Whatever you tell me, I'm going to do it. The pardon of God power of God at work in our life, the purpose of God that he's called us to a life of glory and virtue, and then the promises of God that allow us to be a partaker of that wonderful nature. What a great God we serve. What a great God. Now, can I say to you as we close then this morning, because I don't know you, I just want to say to you that you may be here today and you've listened to this and you're not really sure how this applies to your life because maybe, maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. I just want to tell you this very simply, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And that's all of us, all have sinned. And none of us are exempt from that. The purpose for which we gather in church today is not because we're trying to get to heaven. But for many of us, there was somebody that came and told us the truth of the gospel, that, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And for many of us, there was a time in our life where we believed the truth of God's forgiveness for us. And we accepted the free gift of forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
we were saved. And, and we would like for you to know that, that God would do that for you in your life. God would choose to save you from the consequence of your sin, but it must be acted upon by faith. You must believe, repent and believe the gospel. If you're here today without Christ and you'd like to know how you can be born again, when, when church is over here in just a moment, there'd be any number of men here, women, if you're a lady here, that would be happy to open the Bible and just show you from the scriptures how you can know that your sins can be forgiven through the Lord Jesus Christ. The best thing could ever happen in your life. But for us as believers today, shall we pray and just seek the face of the Lord about the message? Our Father, we thank you for the, the things we've heard today and we've read through the scriptures. Thank you for Peter's life and how you've taken him from, from the one who denied you at Calvary to this point in his life as an older man. Lord, how you'd restored his life and you'd brought him to a place of, of joy and service. And now, Lord, his last will and testament, his last thoughts were just this, that, that we would know the promises of God and we'd act upon them. Because, Lord, you want our life to change. You, you want us to, to be different, not just so that the world can see it, but because you know that the joy and, and the peace and the abundant life that you desire for us. You want your best for us. And Lord, you've given it to us here very briefly today. And so I pray for each one of us, Lord, that we would yield to your spirit. And God, if there's something in our life that needs to be dealt with or confessed or maybe a, an issue with a brother or sister that needs to be dealt with in, in humility, these things are so important, Lord, so we can go forward and be partakers of that divine nature that we could really fully embrace what it is to be saved and, and to live and walk yielded to the Spirit of God. So help us this morning to do what we ought. We ask it in Christ's name. As the piano begins to play for just a moment this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord in whatever way He'd ask you, to pray, to seek the Lord's face. If you're here today without Christ, would you like to know the Savior? If I could ask you this, would there be somebody here today and you'd say, I'm not sure that I'm on my way to heaven and I'd just like to know. Would there be anybody with an uplifted hand and just say, I'd like to know. I won't embarrass you or call you out here this morning, but I'll pray for you if you'd like to know that how to be forgiven of your sin. Anybody like that today? And say, preacher, pray with me. I'd just like to know how to be saved. Lord, thank you for your wonderful word for your wonderful spirit and uh, just this day Lord as we've rejoiced in not just the scriptures but Lord we think of our mothers today and rejoice in all that you've done in their life and your blessing in their life Lord I pray that you'd help us to uh, be honorable in our life to bring honor and glory to our precious Lord Jesus Christ in whose name we pray